This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Growing up with three younger brothers, Alexander McEwen spent his fair share of time in emergency rooms. But other than the odd injury here and there, McEwen always left his yearly doctor checkups healthy and ready to jump into activities like swimming and lacrosse. Now in his early 30s, McEwen still makes his workouts a priority, even when he doesn't want to. A couple months ago, McEwen woke up at 6 a.m. dreading his workout that day. But the gym also charges you 25 bucks every time you don't show up. And I remember thinking to myself, Alex, you've missed the past three times that you made like a gym appointment, so to speak, or that you signed up for something. Like, what are you going to do? Just start paying like hundreds of dollars a month in cancellation fees? It's ridiculous. You got to go to the gym. Like, you just got to get there. So I got up. I went. Nothing was out of the ordinary. His workout class felt a little warm, but nothing to worry about. And McEwen went straight into the first round of his workout circuit. I remember after the first round of the you know exercises, I was like a little lightheaded, a little dizzy. And I thought, wow, I guess I haven't really drank anything yet today. It's pretty warm in here. I'm dehydrated. But nothing some extra water couldn't fix. McEwen powered through the discomfort, but during the second round, he started losing his balance. Deciding to play it safe, he took a breath and laid down while the instructor brought over a water bottle. I'd reached out for the water bottle with my left hand or my left arm. And I remember it being like kind of difficult to lift my arm. It's just at the time I just felt weaker, right? So now I'm dizzy and like my left arm is kind of weaker. I remember at one point, like my left leg kind of flopped over to the side. And now you're pretty close with all these people in these classes. I don't know if you've been in one of these gym classes before, but it can get kind of tight. I remember having to reach over with my right arm to kind of pull my left leg back to where I wanted it to be. And again, like you're not putting two and two together. You're just like, wow, this is weird. I feel weak. McEwen stayed in that position even after the class finished. He sipped some more water and orange juice, but he wasn't feeling any better. In fact, his condition had gotten worse, and the instructors decided it was time to call an ambulance. And I couldn't get up on my own. And once I was up, I couldn't stand up or I couldn't keep myself up without any kind of support from the paramedics. And so, like, you know, that definitely wasn't the case 15, 20 minutes prior to that, where, you know, I'm just drinking some OJ. By the time McEwen arrived at the hospital, he could no longer lift his left arm or left leg. They told me I was having a stroke. And some people have asked, hey, like, how scared were you once you found that out? And now I think if I had another stroke, I'd be pretty scared. But at the time, I had much less knowledge about this kind of stuff than I do now. And my view was, I'm in the hospital, like, they're going to fix me, right? I'm where I need to be. It's going to be fine. So fine, in fact, that McEwen actually took a work call at the hospital while he was having a stroke. In retrospect, probably shouldn't have done. But I also think, like, you're not fully assessing kind of, like, what's actually happening. Like, you're not fully cognitively there as this is happening, right? It's just... That's kind of like the world, right? You see the name pop up, you're negotiating or structuring a deal, you answer it, right? Like you don't answer it, somebody else wins it. So I think I kind of had like a degree of calm underlying everything else. And the rest, I think was just like reflexive. I mean, you just get in the habit, right? Somebody calls you for a deal. And I mean, I had been working on this one and I wanted to win it. And we were kind of at like the five yard line, so to speak. And so I saw the call come through. I'm like, hey, one sec, I just got to take this. Just like kind of instinctive, right? Of course, the doctors didn't feel the same way and ordered McEwen to end the call. You're like, you're having a stroke, get off the phone. 
And the guy, I remember the guy on the other end being like, what's going on? There's a lot of commotion. And I think I said, yeah, as it turns out, I'm having a stroke and I'm in the ER. So can I call you back later? <laughs> He's like, yeah, of course you can. The majority of strokes occur in people over the age 65. So why was it suddenly happening to a healthy 33-year-old man? The doctors ran test after test to finally discover that McEwen was born with a congenital heart defect called bicuspid aortic valve, or BAV. So when the heart beats, blood should pass forward in an unrestricted fashion. But when the heart relaxes, the valve should stop the blood from rushing backwards. So it's a one-way valve. And when you look at the aortic valve, there's three leaflets. They sort of look like sails on a sailboat and it catches the blood. So when the blood tries to rush back, the uh, leaflets catch that blood, keep it from rushing backwards in the heart. Patients with bicuspidic valves have just two leaflets. And um, some people can live their entire lives with a bicuspid valve that functions fine. But we think that the majority of these cases will end up having some sort of problem with their bicuspid valve in their lifetime. That's Dr. Chris Malazri a cardiac surgeon and professor of surgery at Northwestern University. He co-directs the bicuspid aortic valve clinic at the Bloom Cardiovascular Institute. BAV is still somewhat of a mystery. While it's genetic, researchers aren't sure what exactly causes the condition or why men are twice as likely to be born with it. So bicuspid aortic valve, we estimate to be about 1% to 2% prevalence in the general population. So it's actually fairly rare, but... If you do get it, we should know about it because we can prevent some of the problems that come along with it. And early detection is important because we want to get the valve either repaired or replaced before it causes damage to the heart. BAV produces a heart murmur, so most people discover they have it at their yearly doctor checkups. So you can hear a heart murmur with a stethoscope, a really good cardiologist or a really good internal medicine doctor. When they use the stethoscope to examine your heart, will hear an abnormal sound. That's a heart murmur, and that usually leads to an echocardiogram, which will make the diagnosis. Unfortunately, McEwen's condition flew under the radar his whole life, but that could be because having BAV isn't always an issue. Malazari says many people with the condition still have normal heart functioning. So hopefully it's just a benign murmur. The valve is still functioning fine. There is a little bit of a flow murmur because the valve is abnormal shape that doesn't cause any uh, dysfunction. So hopefully we can follow it for a really, really long time. But some patients, the valve will become dysfunctional by calcification when you're older, or it can leak when you're a young adult. If a buildup of calcium does occur in the valve, Malazari says the treatment for older adults is to simply replace the old valve with a new one through a minimally invasive procedure. If it's a younger patient, like less than 50 years old, we'd be looking to do a ROSS procedure, R-O-S-S, and that's to replace the aortic valve with the patient's own pulmonary valve. However, McEwen's condition needs a different treatment than the typical BAV patient. Malazari says about half of people with BAV have a second heart abnormality. In McEwen's case, he was diagnosed with an aortic aneurysm, which is a bulge that occurs in the main artery of our body. And the best kind of metaphor, I guess, that was given to me by one of the doctors was think about a balloon. You know, the more you blow up that balloon, the thinner the walls get. And that's what's happening to your aorta. It's just getting blown up in certain areas. And so the walls are thinner and they're at a much higher risk or the propensity that it ruptures or tears or dissects is much higher than it should be. And really, the only way you can fix that is, you know, open heart surgery. McEwen's surgery is scheduled for this month. Aside from the procedure, McEwen's been making small changes to his daily routine, like focusing more on nutrition. 
I was the founder of the second oldest collegiate competitive eating club in the country. Like I can eat. It's like a fun thing. When you're going out to dinner, you order a bunch of food, you're entertaining clients. It's just, it's like a thing. And so I try to be a little bit better about portion control. I think that's like an area of low hanging fruit. I could definitely cook more often. So the first time that I cooked for myself in 2023 was the night before I had a stroke. So a running joke with all my friends was you cooked for yourself and you had a stroke the next morning. Maybe we like, you know, stick to eating out. Another change McEwen's working on is managing his stress. Oddly enough, before his stroke, McEwen never really felt overwhelmed in his work, even though he says other people would label the career as high stress. Like I've always been able to deal with that pretty easily. But what Greg, who is the president of our real estate group, said to me is, look, sometimes the way you're consciously dealing with it is different than the way your body is dealing with it. And I know that because I started getting an Apple Watch. And whenever I go into a meeting, my resting heart rate is around 60. But when I go into these meetings, it bumps up to like 110, 120. And I'm not nervous at all. Like, I'm very comfortable and very confident. I know what's going to happen. It's just a natural thing that my body does as I react. And so it's quite possible that, yeah, you may be dealing with it mentally fine, but your body is reacting to something physically different. And while his story has a happy ending, McEwen imagines there's many other men out there just like him who never would have thought he had any underlying conditions to worry about. I think one of the unique things about my case is like, number one, I'm very young. And so that makes it a little abnormal. But number two, I'm pretty fit and pretty healthy. Like if you saw me on the street, I am not somebody who'd say like, oh, that's obese. Like I'm somebody you'd look at and say, okay, he's fit. He's in shape, right? Like if I hadn't been in the gym class, I would have felt odd and been like, all right, I'm going to sleep. Like I'm just going to sleep this thing off. And if I'd slept it off, we'd be in a much different place right now. Maybe not even be here. And that's not hyperbolic. That's fact. It can feel dramatic to call 911 or make a doctor's appointment for something you don't think is a big deal. But McEwen says if he's learned anything from this experience, it's to take his health more seriously. Having a stroke was not on my bingo card this year. Certainly having open heart surgery was definitely not on my bingo card. Both of them happening at the same time is like, what are the odds? I mean, like very, very, very low. And if you had told me like, if you were a prophet from the future and said, this is going to happen to you, I would have like laughed you out of the room. And so when you have that mindset, it's very easy to kind of put things off. Like this isn't serious. I don't need to worry about it. But ultimately it could very well be serious and it's much better to be safe than sorry. You can find more information about Alexander McEwen, Dr. Chris Malazri, and all of our guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. Our writer producer is Kristen Farah. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. I'm Elizabeth Westfield. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. If you consider like what is natural, natural would have been never inventing fire, never leaving Africa, never getting in a plane. And we're really fine with all those things. Have we cheated natural selection? Then are your clothes poisoning you? There was shoe blacking that would poison people within a few hours when they put it on their shoes and then went out dancing in them. So we've been doing this for quite some time. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. It not only can show you what it looks like, it also simulates a fit. So if it's something that's too small, which is usually problematic, you can see that it doesn't fit on your face. How AI is shaking up what's capable when you buy online. Then You're also owed that money. People are watching your show, watching your show, and the studios are making that money. The CEOs are making that money. Hollywood is back in action post-pandemic. 
So why are so many screenwriters just scraping by? I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal.